0: Well good morning church. I'm so pleased that we're doing this series on the Acts of the Apostles. When you read through the Bible and you read through the, the Gospels and all the stories about Jesus you're just waiting for the next sequel aren't you really? And the Acts of the Apostles comes along and it's the sequel to the Gospels and it is just full of stories. And uh, you know stories are, are so important and we've been emphasizing sharing our stories recently and Jane shared a a story on the video this morning and uh, Nico has read uh, the next story in the Acts of the Apostles about Philip going down to St. Mary. The immediate context is that Stephen, a good mate of Philip, I think anyway, I'm going to fill in a few gaps in Luke's account this morning. It's called Preacher's License, okay? We're allowed to add in a little detail that isn't quite recorded, but Philip and Stephen were good mates, and uh, Stephen goes into Jerusalem and and starts to speak about Jesus, and sadly uh, he gets martyred for his faith. And uh, the first general persecution of Christians breaks out at that time, and uh, we know the history of the world that ever since then, in various places, in various times, and friends of mine in India, even now, are suffering persecution. Satan hated what was happening. He wanted to try and stop this new uh, community of believers getting together and and getting off, and uh, Paul became one of the uh, key ringleaders of this persecution and was going house to house, dragging people off to prison, And, and that's the the context to this story. And uh, so we come to Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered, they, they couldn't stay in Jerusalem. Their lives were in danger. They had to leave. They were scattered in various places. Preach the word. When it says preach the word, it really means they shared the good news. They didn't stand on a A platform preaching, they shared the good news wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. You know, great stories are initially disturbing. David and Goliath, you see this huge Goliath guy, and he's threatening the nation of Israel and the armies of Israel, and it's disturbing. But they're then inspiring, aren't they? Uh, And I believe God wants to disturb us a little bit this morning, but inspire us to be learning from Philip. Why why am I disturbed by this verse or these verses? Well, firstly, Philip and uh, the other believers, they had to run for their lives, and they were scattered through various places. And yet... Wherever they went, they shared the good news that that disturbs me. Why does it disturb me because i 'm not persecuted, and wherever I go i don 't necessarily share the good news. You know when I was at school doing A levels, the bright kids were they were the a grade students okay and then if you were not doing so well, you were E grade and you were just above F, which was fail, and in the school of sharing faith, I sometimes and often feel I'm an E grade student, I don't know if anyone's with me, but I'm going to be speaking to E grade students this morning in sharing our faith, and I believe God wants to upgrade us in that and encourage us and inspire us, we can share our faith, and it can be fruitful. In recent months, I've been really challenged about sharing my faith a lot, and I've been having two prayers. One is, God help me regularly to share something of my faith. And secondly, Lord, I want to see one person come to faith. Let me have one involvement in one person, amen? Anyone up for that? I want to see one person come to faith through something you do or you say. And I just hope this morning will encourage us in that. We're going to finish this morning by our dear friend Roy praying for us. Roy is someone who inspires me. If you've heard his stories, read his little book, you'll be inspired. Roy seems to have a gifting and the courage and the heart to share his faith wherever he goes and has some great stories. So Roy is going to pray for us. That's going to be the finale of our time together this morning. But as we look at this story in Acts chapter 8, there's something that strikes me. And the first thing is that they had a heart to share the good news. You know, Philip had not been an evangelist. He'd been uh, called to help in the pastoral care in the church looking after widows. And I just want to say a big thank you to anyone here who's involved in pastoral care in our church. You know, it's important to reach out and and bring people into the truth of the gospel, but then it's so important to help them grow and and develop and be discipled in in that gospel. We need both, okay? So thank you for those who are involved in the pastoral work like Philip was. Um, But have you ever wondered where Luke got his information from, to write the book of Acts. Ever wondered about that? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning. I'm going to tell you. Because Luke traveled with Paul, didn't he? At least on his third missionary journey. We know that uh, from what Luke says in Acts chapter 21. And at the end of that journey, they're heading back towards Jerusalem. And uh, they stay at Philip's house. They stay at Philip's house several days. And I can imagine, you know, as they sat around the fire at night drinking a cup of warm goat's milk or whatever they drank. And, uh, you know, Luke was saying to Philip, Tell us about the early days. Uh, tell us what happened. And, and Philip would say, Well, you know, when Jesus had ascended, he said, Wait in Jerusalem. And we were all waiting in this <clears throat> room, and it was pentecost sunday and Suddenly, the whole building was shaking, and there was a sound of a mighty hurricane, and we were filled with the Holy Spirit, and tongues of fire appeared on our heads and We suddenly had God in us. We'd not only believed in Jesus, the Son of God, but he was right there in us. And it was amazing as we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, there was a crowd gathering around outside. They'd heard the sound of this mighty wind. And it was Pentecost Sunday, and there were thousands of Jews from everywhere. And we just felt we had to go out. And I suddenly found myself speaking Libyan. I'm just filling in some details here. It's not actually in the Bible, you know what I mean. But, And there were guys from Libya, and I was explaining about Jesus to them, and, and they were coming to faith. And Peter stood up and preached the good news of Jesus. And 3,000 people came to faith. And I, I think Paul would thinking, flippin' heck, I've never had that th- number of people come to faith in one day. And uh, Philip went on to explain that... Um, the church started to form in this community of believers and it was dynamic and it was changing and those who were wealthy were selling houses and lands and bringing it in so that those who had less could have enough. And uh, said, on one occasion all 11 apostles were put in prison. The authorities didn't like it and guess what happened? An angel came and released them in the middle of the night. And they went back into town and started preaching the gospel again. And it was just amazing days, guys. It was fantastic. And I, I was chosen with my friend Stephen to help on the pastoral care and look after the widows and feed them. And, and it was just wonderful days. But then Stephen was martyred. And persecution grew. And I can just imagine at this point... Paul saying, oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I did. And Philip saying to Paul, don't worry, what Satan intended for evil worked out for good. We were forced to go and leave Jerusalem and we traveled through Judea sharing the gospel and we traveled into Samaria just as Jesus had told us to. Back in Acts chapter one, you'll be my witnesses. Wherever you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And we were very comfortable in Jerusalem, and then we were forced to, to move out. But it was a joy, and I went down to St. Mary Samaria and shared the good news there. We couldn't help but speak about Jesus because of what we'd experienced because of our heart for God, for our heart for what we'd received, how it'd been life-changing to us. And we just had a heart for others, and we wanted them to come into the good news of the gospel. And I'm just struck by the heart of these people who've been persecuted and threatened and, and lost probably everything, but their heart was to help others come and know Jesus and find the good news changing their lives as well and you know brothers and sisters if we want to be fruitful in sharing our faith we do need to start from the heart okay i don't want anyone to feel under any guilt trip today you've got to go and share your faith you know get out there no none of that we need to start from a place of heart and and i learned a a big lesson about this um pre-lockdown i I was walking through town, Southampton, and I do try and say to God quite often, you know, if there's anyone you want me to speak to today, I'd love to do that, you know, make the opening, and I'd sort of forgotten about that, and was walking through town, and there was a guy, this was like 10, 10.30 in the morning, and there was a guy sleeping in a doorway, a shop doorway, a homeless guy, and I, I sort of went up and looked at him, and he looked like the sort of guy who didn't ought to be there. Do you know what I mean? He just looked like a normal person. He was late 20s. And and I, I began to get almost overwhelmed with a heart for this guy. He had no one to take him in that night. No family. No friends who could put him on a couch. And he'd probably gone to sleep late at night after the pubs are closed. And He'd slept there in the cold, can you imagine, in a shop doorway. And I just felt overwhelmed with a heart for this guy, and it really didn't seem the right time to wake him up and say, God's got a plan for your life right now. (laughs) I let him sleep. And I went into West Quay, and my, my reason for going to West Quay was to buy new jeans. Now, you know that all guys have four pairs of jeans, don't you? Number one pair of jeans, you're really smart. These are fairly smart. Number one jeans, they're your posh jeans for church. As they get a bit worn, they become your number two jeans. They're for going shopping and around your mates and so on. As they get worn, they become your gardening jeans. And then as they get worn and get slits through the knees, they become your number four uh, decorating jeans, and I've noticed that some of you go out and buy number four jeans with the slits already in the knees. And uh, if you're a 32 small, you can have mine for free. And God said to me, "Don't buy any more jeans. You don't need jeans." And I, I wanted a new pair of jeans, but I thought, "Okay, God, I won't buy any jeans." And I went home, and that night, as I try and do sometimes, I said to God where were you today, God? What was happening and uh, was anything happening? And he said, do you remember that homeless guy? I said, yeah. And he said, I was giving you a heart for that guy because you need a heart before you can share your faith. I said, oh, yeah, thank you, God. And then God said, do you remember when I said don't buy the jeans? I said, yeah, he said, well, what I want you to do is take the money you would have spent on the jeans and give it to a homeless guy. So a couple of days later, I went in. I couldn't find the same guy, but I found an older guy who's homeless, and I, I splash out 25 quid on jeans. You probably spend 100, I don't know, but I gave this guy 25 quid, and I said, I just feel God wants me to give this to you, and he's got a heart for you, and it made his day. And I was developing a heart for those I wanted to share my faith with, The second thing I noticed about the Philip and those who were scattered, um, they had an expectation that they would all be sharing the good news. Jesus said, he he didn't say all, but you will be my witnesses. He said it to all of them. Not just the graces and the royals of our church, and there's others who are really good at it, but all of us. You will all speak of what you've seen and what you've experienced. Some people quote St. Francis of Assisi as saying, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Well, I've got two pieces of bad news for you. St. Francis of Assisi is never recorded as having said that, and it's not true either. We always need to speak the good news. Always words are important. I don't know of anyone who's come to faith without words being spoken to them, or they've read it. Yes, we need to demonstrate the good news through our love and kindness. And and Philip demonstrated the power of the gospel. He healed the cripples. He cast out the demons, didn't he? In the middle of that Samaritan town. But what does it say in Acts 6 when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed they all paid close attention to what he said amen the signs and the good deeds are important and they should go with the word but the word is what brings people to faith and when they heard Philip they paid close attention Our words are necessary and powerful. I'd like you to say in your head, my words are powerful. can be powerful in the lives of other people as I share about Jesus. Just say that to yourself and confirm that. A little while ago, someone from our old church, James Street, came and said, do you remember so-and-so, a guy on Golden Grove Estate, and he passed a message on to me through this person and said, please thank Graham for speaking to me in the car park and praying for me. And he said, just after that, I gave my life to Jesus and my life has been changed ever since. I don't remember speaking to this person in the car park or praying for them. So no glory to me. But I'm just saying, our words are powerful. And often we are part of a chain of events. We might be there at the end where we speak to someone and they come to faith. We might be there at the beginning when they start that journey of faith. But our words are powerful. And wouldn't it be great if this week we said words to someone who then came to faith? For a person to come to faith in Jesus... And be saved requires someone else to speak the message of Christ and then that person to speak out acceptance. Paul said in in Romans chapter 10 faith comes from hearing. Amen. Hearing what? Hearing you. Hearing me. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's good to start a conversation by saying God loves you and has a plan for your life, but it needs to go further. Somehow we need to say Jesus is the answer, Jesus is God's answer, and the message is about Jesus. And Paul went on to say, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those who come to faith need to declare also through the word, spoken word. Our words are powerful. Our words confirm that we've come to faith. They had an expectation they'd all be used. They had an expectation that the gospel would be effective. Philip had seen people added to the church daily. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? I remember when Di and I were leading Ferrum Church, we we got to a point where we thought we're not seeing people come to faith and, you know, that's our heart. And so as a church we prayed about it and we we said in faith we're going to believe for one person to come to faith every month. And it started to happen because I think we had expectation. We were looking for it to happen. Someone here this morning, I understand, has come to faith in recent weeks. It's happening. Let's believe the gospel is still working today. And we've got the Alpha Course coming up uh, Wednesday week, it starts. We have these invitation cards that are on the welcome desk. Sharon has some. And I'm going to challenge all of us to take at least one card and invite one person with an expectation they might come on the Alpha course and hear the good news. An expectation that God is out there working in the lives of people and waiting for us to join in. Do you know that? God is out there working in the lives of people and he wants us to be out there and join in. I, I, I read about, uh, we read about Simon the sorcerer, and he was probably the most evil, deceived person in Samaria, and he was called the great power of God. Actually, some of the early church writers say he was treated as God, and even in Rome he was worshipped as a God, and another Christian historian said he started Gnosticism. He, he was a well-known powerful occult figure and you know god loves people like that he says i'm gonna get you (laughs) paul the apostle he was a pretty tough nut to crack wasn't he but god's got big nutcrackers, and he can crack the toughest nuts and you know I, i think god was working in the life of simon the sorcerer and philip came along and completed the deal you know some time ago di and i were in haskins garden center And uh, we're having a coffee, and I'm going to get a table, and I was queuing up to pay, and there's another guy there who was queuing up to pay uh, similarly, and we got talking briefly, and he'd just come back from Germany, been visiting his son and his family, and little grandson of six years old, and and I just happened to say, I've just come back from Uganda, he said, oh, what are you doing there? And I explained about school and ministry, and uh, training church leaders, and and then we paid, and and we separated our ways, and later die we're outside looking around the plants and this guy came and found me and he said i you know i I can see that you're a man of faith he said i've never been religious never brought brought up that way i never brought up my son to be religious but he said my grandson six-year-old grandson seems to know god seems to believe in god seems to want to pray and every time they go past a church he wants to go in and pray to to jesus and he said it was amazing my wife and i traveled out from terminal five um, Heathrow just after it had been uh, opened and do you remember the chaos with the baggages? I mean there were 60,000 bags, bags piled high and he said we got out to Germany and our bags weren't there and the little grandson said oh I'm sorry grandpa I prayed you'd have a safe flight but I didn't pray for your bags to come and he thought oh that's sweet and he said I'm going to pray That when you get back, your bags will be there waiting for you. Remember 60,000 bags piled high? They got back to Terminal 5, went to the carousel where their flight, you know, for their flight. No bags on the carousel, but there were two bags by the carousel. Guess whose bags they were? (laughs) It was Grandma and Grandpa's bags. And he said to me, What is that about? God was working in this guy's life. And I said, I think God's revealed himself to your grandson. And he's trying to say to you, I I love you as well and I want a relationship with you. And it was just so wonderful to see God had been working in this guy's life. And we just happened to tap into that story. God is out there. Let's be out there as well. And lastly, Philip and those who were scattered had courage to take the opportunities (coughs) that were given to them. It took courage. They could then... in In the city of Samaria, Philip could again be persecuted and have to move on again. It took courage to overcome that. And uh, in taking opportunities, I think we can position ourselves to find opportunities, can't we? Philip and co. had had gone to places where the gospel hadn't been preached yet. They They were positioned. They didn't have a choice. But we can choose to get engaged with things that help us be positioned. Because I've been praying about sharing my faith, um, a few weekends ago, Grace and a few other people from around the nation were doing an outreach in the middle of town here, and I thought, I've got to go, I've got to be part of this. It's not my favorite Friday afternoon activity, going into the high street and sharing my faith, but I've got to go, you know, something's going to happen. I'm walking up East Street, and uh, a voice says, hello, Graham. And I look over, and there's a lady who used to be on the fringe of James Street. She'd come, and um, she would talk, you know, like she had a sort of faith. She was part of the crowd, but never quite convinced, you know, how how deep or how real it was. And and there in the middle of East Street, she's telling me her her fresh problems. And I'm, I'm saying to her, look, you can bring the Lord into this. God cares, and he can change situations. And there, on the way to the outreach, I'm then praying for this lady in the middle of our East Street. You know, we can position ourselves. And I want to say that Comcaf is an amazing way to position yourself to share your faith. We still need more people. We're back indoors, Armacad, uh, Katrina, in the small hall. And it's easy-peasy to share something of faith. I was there... Um, last Sunday and uh, I, I was talking to this guy who I didn't know and I, he saw my name you know on my badge and I said what's your name and he said scary I said I've changed my name to scary and I think he said he's done it by poll. I'm not quite sure but I, I'm trying to think you know can can I somehow share some faith with this guy and um, he, he was talking about He'd been on to the police about uh, some traffic problems, people driving up East Street the wrong way. I didn't see that was a big problem, not noticed that. But he said, the police just ignore me. And then I realised why the police ignore him, because he'd recently been arrested for stealing a bulldozer. That sort of guy we get, interesting characters in Comcaf. And I'm still trying to find, uh, is there an in here for a conversation? And he goes on to talk about the, the problems in life and the cost of cigarettes has gone up, and I try to nod knowingly, you know, keeping the conversation. It's still not going anywhere. And then he said, I used to take a lot of, smoke a lot of cannabis, and I thought, this is definitely not going in the right direction. And I try and nod, oh, yeah, 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 okay. And then he said, well, of course, it's okay to smoke cannabis because it's in the Bible. I thought, what? We're on cannabis, and now we're into the Bible. Fantastic. Uh, his his theology was that God made all the plants so it's okay to smoke them and crack cocaine is not okay because it's man-made I've got to check out with Phil Orchard that theology but I'm just saying you know he made the opportunity from cannabis to the Bible and we've just got to step in and and take these opportunities always be ready to take the opportunities God gives you um And we can make opportunities. A couple of Christmases ago, I was uh, in um, West Quay. uh, And a guy approached me and said, can I ask you a question? And I knew he wanted to sell me something. And I just happened to say, yes, if I can ask you a question. And that sort of put him on the back foot of it. But anyway, he carried on with his spiel. And he he was selling men's moisturiser. Now, does this face need moisturiser? I don't think so, <laughs> especially not at 29 99 for three little pots. Anyway, I let him do his spiel and I said, no, thank you, and he said, what was the question you wanted to ask me? And I had to think on my feet quickly, and I said, what do you think is the real meaning of Christmas? And he said, well, it's about family getting together and, you know, giving presents and that. I said, yeah, that is great, isn't it? But actually, beneath that is a deeper meaning, and It's when God gave us the present of Jesus. And I was just able to share the gospel with him very briefly. And You know, we can have courage to take and make opportunities, can't we? So, Lord, we thank you for this story of Philip. We thank you for those scattered servants. That's a good book to read, by the way. Lord, we thank you that they were willing, wherever they went, to share the good news of Jesus and had the heart to do it and the courage. I'm just going to give you one challenge here. I've mentioned it already. I want to challenge you to take a leaflet, an alpha leaflet, and say, God, help me to invite one person to the alpha course. Okay? That's our challenge. One person expecting something to happen. Roy, come and pray for us. Can we stand as Roy prays for us and receive just a fresh anointing for sharing our faith in Jesus? Amen.